Happy Mother's Day! Well, listen, it was last week that we began a series, and uh, we're calling this series really simply, Up and to the Right. Everybody say it. Up and to the right. It's based on this little simple model, this little diagram that is on your handout today. If you didn't get a handout, you're going to want one. Just raise your hand. Uh, if you didn't get one, we got need over here for a handout. And if you're joining us online, whether you are um, on Facebook, on YouTube, or whether you are listening on our podcast, we're making this available to you as well. And you just go over to the website that's on the screen, and uh, it is bit.ly, B-I-T dot L-Y slash up and right two, because this is the second message, up and right two, and um, it'll be important for you to be able to follow along. You're going you're gonna to want this. But what this tool does is it shows us where we find ourselves in life during this unique season. And I think that it's, it's an appropriate time for us to evaluate. You know, we're, we're coming through some of the most challenging things our world has experienced in not only our lifetimes, but I would say many would say, you know, for maybe, well, maybe since World War II and the darkest days of the depression and other pandemics that, that have been faced. This is, this is kind of our generation's time to say, wow, we've really been coming through some things and we need to evaluate where we are so that we can chart a new course for growth, to chart a new course for God, where God would call us to be. So we're using this little model to help us evaluate where are we so then we can decide how then we can best move forward up and to the right. And what we saw last week is that the life that Jesus has for us, the life that, that God so desires each one of us to have, according to this model, is up and to the right. It's a place where we know that we are loved and absolutely accepted by Jesus Come on, that is high encouragement, right? High encouragement, knowing that we're loved, knowing that even when we've blown it, that God did not leave us or forsake us or turn his back on us, but he is there for us. He is loving us. He's calling to us in love and in grace and in mercy. So much encouragement poured on us by the Lord. But not only are we at this place of high encouragement, but we're also at this place of really high challenge, where not only are we encouraged by the love of God, but we are drawn day by day into this further call to keep growing, to keep moving forward, to keep taking new ground in the Lord. Amen? And that's this up and to the right model. So, John 10.10, 10, it's there in your notes, what Jesus said, and it's in the second half of this verse, is where Jesus said, I have come that they may have life and have it to what? To the full. This full, abundant, overflowing life. This is the life that Jesus has for you and for me up and to the right where we're highly encouraged, highly motivated to keep going and growing. 
This is the call that Jesus has for us to experience his life to the full. Absolutely confident of his love, but absolutely consistently moving forward in him. But there's another part of that verse. And it's the first half of the verse. Because right before Jesus said, you're going to have abundant life in me, this is where Jesus reminded everyone that there is an enemy of our souls. There is a thief who comes only to steal and kill and destroy. And so what we find is that even though there's this call in our lives to move up and to the right, to keep growing, keep moving forward, keep progressing, what we recognize is that there is this kind of gravitational pull down into the left where we experience discouragement, where we experience hardships, where we, dis, uh, where we just experience all these things that are the opposite of up into the right. And if you believe what scriptures say, and even what we just read about Jesus' words about the thief, here's what we know is that there are natural reasons that kind of pull us down into the left. There's natural things. You know, even over, when you think about the past couple of years, listen, we've had so much devastation just through a virus. Just a natural thing. And you know what viruses do? What viruses do? They seek a host. And then they kind of morph and manipulate themselves to grow stronger so that they can, that little virus can keep flourishing and doing what we don't want it to do. But it's a natural reason that, man, we've had so much hardship in our world over the last couple of years. So not only have we experienced sickness, many in their own bodies, but also grief over the, the loss of loved ones, people we've cared about, friends, co-workers, neighbors. It's been hard. But there's been some natural causes to that. But if we, if we really study scripture and hear what God says in his word, it's not only natural reasons that are kind of dragging us south, down into the left. There's also supernatural reasons for our struggle. There is an enemy of our soul who's come to steal, kill, and work destructively in our lives and in our stories. When Paul was thinking about this, writing to his friends, writing to a church in the city of Ephesus, he put it this way. In Ephesians 6, 10 and 11, he said, be strong in the Lord. And in his mighty power, put on all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against all strategies of the devil. Listen, right there in your notes, the first fill in there, it says that hell is strategizing to drag us down into the left. There is a strategy. There is something that Hell is at work doing in your story to sabotage God's work. Where God is wanting to bring encouragement and that ongoing challenge, and the enemy is working to bring discouragement and just really just suck the wind right out of our sails 
so that we will be ineffective as God's children, as God's church. So hell is strategizing, but listen, that next line says, but we are encouraged to be what? To be strong in Jesus. Don't you love that? It's not like trying to muscle up our own strength and our own power. Like, I've got to be strong. I, I've got to get up and to the right. I'm going to claw my way in my own strength no matter what it takes. No, Paul's reminding the church, no, we are strong in Jesus. Because even though Jesus has called us to this fruitful, abundant, overflowing life, we know we are going to face struggles. We are going to face hardships, both natural and supernatural. How awesome is it to know that we are not just on this you know, battle to move up and to the right in our own strength and power, but we are strengthened by Jesus himself. Then it goes on and says, so that we can stand firm. That we are not moved, that we are not sucked downward by the enemy or even just by natural things that we confront in life. That we can stand firm in him. Able to stand against all, all the strategies of the devil. So we're using this tool to help us kind of identify where we are so that we can say, Jesus, I want to keep growing in you. Not only do I not want to lose ground in this season, Lord, I, I believe that I'm called to take new ground in you. So let's just do a quick review of what we talked about last week as we first introduced this little model. You'll notice around the edges, there's high encouragement, low encouragement, right? Low challenge, high challenge. Let's just talk about those for a second. As a reminder, and some weren't here last week, so glad you're here, jumping in. At the top, it says high encouragement. This is where we experience passion, joy, where we know we're loved and accepted. We feel motivated when we're up near that top line. It's like, let's go, right? We're excited. We feel like, man, we can take new ground. But then down at the bottom, there is low encouragement. And we've all been there. This is where we're feeling discouraged, feeling beat up. And we're feeling isolated. You know, we're asking, where, where's God and where's my people? Right, where, where's, where's those around me to support and encourage? But we get to those places sometimes of low encouragement. Then over on the left, there's low challenge. This is where, guess what? We're feeling super relaxed. So relaxed. So relaxed that it's like we can slip into laziness, non-productivity. We're not getting nothing done because there's nothing that's like calling us forward. There's nothing that is motivating us, you know, urging us forward. Just really low challenge. But on the right-hand side, we find that there's a place of high challenge where we're being urged forward, taking new ground. It's like, listen, no, you can be productive. You can be fruitful in your lives. Don't let anybody stop you or tell you you can't do it. So there's this challenge that 
we find many times in our lives as well. Now, what we talked about last week is that no one typically finds themselves all the way to one extreme or another. Typically, we find ourselves somewhere in this little model. Think of it as a graph where you are kind of plotting where you are in relationship to those four dynamics. But to help us even dial it in further, you notice that there are four little quadrants within, the, within, that little, within the bigger box. And in fact, I added some little pictures there to help you identify what these are all about. So top left quadrant we talked about last week. This is the cozy quadrant. And I put a little picture of a little lounge chair, a little beach chair, right? Because this is where we're like, we're on vacation when we're here. It is all sunshine and butterflies and hugs. And it's like, oh, because I feel so encouraged here. But nobody's challenged me, me to do much either. I'm just hanging out in the sun and ah, oh, great place to vacation. Not a really smart place to hang out very long. Because like I said, the closer we are to that low challenge side, now we can just slip into laziness, non-productivity, and life you know, kind of becomes a yawn. So, but then we move further south. We get to that bottom left quadrant. This is the bored quadrant. Bored. And the word bored, you know, has, I suppose you might picture different things. Like, ah, uh, maybe this is just a little bit of a boring day, not very exciting. But I put an image in there to really help capture where this is headed. Not just bored, this is like a discouraged boredom, because, right, this is down in that low encouragement side. This is where, really, we feel like really giving up, like really non-motivated, we talked last week that this is kind of a dangerous place to hang out because depression can settle in here. And not only depression, but there can be also really poor decisions as people start making like kind of crazy choices to somehow break out of that place of being in the lowest lows. You see people shooting stuff into their arms, See people getting into, involved in relationships that are really unhealthy and really unproductive. And a lot of times that happens when they're stuck down there in that bottom left quadrant, the farthest away down into the left of where God would call us to be. Then we move to the right. And you see the little picture of the drill sergeant, right? Remember the drill sergeant? Because this is the stressed quadrant. This is where we experience like really low encouragement, but really high challenge. Like, yo, can't do it. I'm going to make you do it. This is not a fun place to be because we feel overwhelmed and overworked. It is not sustainable to stay in that lower right quadrant. But guess what, guys? There's hope. Because up in that upper right quadrant, and it's the place where Jesus calls us to. This is the fruitful quadrant of life. This is where we thrive. This is where we find the deepest meaning 
and fulfillment in our lives is when we are at that place where we know that we're loved and accepted. We know that we're walking in the encouragement of the Lord, but we're also knowing that God is calling us forward to take new ground and he's got things for us to do. And as we begin moving forward in those things, man, we thrive. Life is exciting. Life is good. Life is full. Even though we know that we're going to face challenges, even when we're in that spot, we know that God has created ways for us to be fruitful. You know, I look at my own mom's life and Mother's Day, and, and I know that my mom lives in that upper right quadrant. And I think we've shared some of this before, but my mom is battling lung cancer. She has for several years, and she's even in some treatment right now to try to just keep it contained. This, you know, that's challenging. That is super challenging. Nobody signs up for this in their latter years. But can I tell you that I still see my mom continuing to be fruitful in her life because she knows the calling that God has on her and she knows that until she breathes her last, she has more to do, including hugging on, loving on that great grandbaby of yours. <laughs> we can continue to be fruitful even when things are challenging when we know that we're walking in the encouragement and challenge of the Lord. Right under those scriptures that we've looked at and under that, you'll find the same three questions that we asked last week because these are so important. And like I said, I think they're really important for us right now more than ever in this season of life. Where am I? Where do I find myself? Last week, we actually had you like pick a spot in that little diagram. Where do I find myself today. But then the question, where do I want to be? Well, hopefully where you want to be is in that place where Jesus is calling you up and to the right. That's where Jesus is. But then there's the third question, which is what we're going to talk about for the remainder of our minutes today. And that's, how am I going to get there? Because we know it's a battle to get there. We know it's a battle to go up and to the right. Because there's these natural and supernatural forces at work that want to just kind of hold us down and not allow us to progress. So how are we going to get there? We could ask the question, how might we get ourselves unstuck from these unfruitful quadrants so that we can move forward? Because we get stuck there, don't we? Ma'am, you meet people... I meet people who've been stuck in some of those unfruitful places for a very long time. So we're going to look at three things that I, I don't believe these are like tips. Like, hey, how to get unstuck. Here's three easy ways from Pastor Tim. I, I hate that approach. And you know what? You can Google that and probably find a lot of smart things that are out there. There's whole books written on that. But what I want us to do is I want to challenge us with a few thoughts to help us to really begin to chew on this deeply and begin to, to think about what, what are the ways that even Jesus helped his followers to move forward to get them unstuck from places they had been growing up. Culturally and all of their life experiences, they were not at that fruitful place 
that Jesus had for them. So how did Jesus even work with his followers? I think we can learn some things. How about you? You ready? So three things. The first one is this. It's on your notes there. Take responsibility for my life. Take responsibility for my life. And right there at the end of that, you see a little word in brackets, and it's the word maturity. If we're going to break free from where we may have been stuck, it's going to require us to take steps. And I believe that this is the step of maturity. Taking full responsibility for my own life. No one is responsible. Check this out, guys. No one is responsible for where I am or for where God is calling me to be except one person and that is me. I am responsible for where I am today. And I believe that this right here is one of the best descriptions of maturity we can ever find. It's where we learn to take responsibility for where we are and for where we're headed. And I like this because anyone can be mature at any stage where you find yourself. You can be four years old and be mature according to this standard, right? That little four-year-old, she's playing with her stuff. She got toys strewn about all over. You know what maturity is for a four-year-old? Learning to take responsibility for their stuff, for their little circle of influence. They can learn to pick up their own toys. They don't have to you know, uh, always call for help or expect that mom or dad is gonna come and bail them out of their their own little mess that they created. A four-year-old can be mature. Guess what? A 16-year-old can be mature, according to this standard, to take responsibility of new things, things like grades, things like doing well with the tasks that I'm given, following the instructions of my parents to the best of my ability. If I've got a curfew, I show up on time because that's taking responsibility. It's not blaming something else, right? It's taking responsibility, saying, no, this is where I am because I am responsible for this. But it's not just for kids, it's for all of us. From four to 84, 94, 104, right? Do we have responsibilities, things that we're responsible for? Do we have bills to pay? people to care for, families that God has placed us within, right? To bring life and not death, to speak encouragement and not discouragement, all those things. We have to take responsibility for that and say, no, where I am today, there's a reason. It's because of me. And when we're taking the step of maturity, Come on, guys, when we're taking this step of maturity, it helps us to break free from where we may have found ourselves stuck. Amen. And immaturity often shows up in the opposite way, and that is through blame shifting. But wait, Pastor, you don't understand. This, this really isn't my fault that I'm here, it's really not my fault that I'm stuck in this unfruitful place. And we do all kinds of crazy things. We point at our spouses, right? We point at our bosses. 
We've even over the past couple of years pointed at a virus or at government officials for making us mad, right? And we so often point blame. We blame shift. I'm miserable because of them. I'm miserable because of that thing. Rather than saying, no, listen, I'm responsible for where I am. I'm responsible for my attitudes and my actions. I think it's quite compelling to go back to the very first time in history, biblical history, where things suddenly went down into the left. It's all the way back in the Garden of Eden. You probably are familiar with the story. Things went south really quickly. Bam. They ate the forbidden fruit. What God had said, that's not for you, right? The one instruction that he had given them to follow, that they did not follow. So guess what? God shows up, they're having conversation, and what do they do? Blame shifted. The guy's like, it's the woman that you gave me. I mean, he didn't only blame the wife, he blamed God himself. Wow. And so he turns to the woman. And what, is, what does she do? It's that snake. It's that snake, part of your creation, deceived me. Rather than taking responsibility and saying, hey, man, I, who knows how history could have been different. Had people just stood up right immediately and said, Father, creator, lover of our souls, have mercy on us. We've disobeyed you. If they had taken responsibility. But listen, don't we do the very same thing in our situations so often? I think Jesus really wanted to get after this with not only his disciples, but all those that he was helping to shape within, within his season of ministry on earth. They have this perception in Jesus' day that it was things from the outside of them that like would hurt them and defile them. They thought that if like if they even accidentally touched a sick person, do you know what would happen? That they would become defiled in the sight of God. They, they thought that if that if a sick person touched them, they'd be defiled. They thought if they walked into the house of a non-Jew that they would be defiled. Like these external things that they could point to and kind of blame on why they were out of relationship with God. But you know what Jesus did? Not only did he correct that, but, but check this out. It's in Mark 7, verses 20 through 22. Jesus is talking to them about this. And he says, listen, folks, it is what comes from inside the defiles, inside of you, not from outside, from inside, defiles you. For from within, listen to this, out of a person's heart comes evil thoughts, sexual immorality, Theft, murder, adultery, greed, wickedness, deceit. Shall I go on? He did. Lustful desires, envy, slander, pride, and everybody say the last one together, and what? Foolishness. Foolishness. Oh, that all's inside of me? Bummer. 
Because you know what that means? That we have to take responsibility for our own junk. All that foolishness that's bound up inside of me, all that foolishness that has kept me stuck where I am in these unfruitful quadrants of life, down and to the left. It's my responsibility. It's my responsibility. But hey, there's a second thing here that I want to point to, and that is not only do we take responsibility, but number two, we need to stop doing what we've been doing. We need to stop unfruitful behaviors. We need to stop it. And guess what? This is the step of wisdom. This is the wisdom step. The first one is that maturity step, taking responsibility is no one else's responsibility for where I am. But now this is, this is wisdom. Stop doing what has been dragging me down. I love that Jesus said that foolishness was kind of bound up right in the hearts of men. Proverbs talked a lot about that. In fact, there's a scripture, Proverbs 26, 11. It's really unpleasant, but it is so on point. The author says, as a dog, ugh, don't even want to read it. As a dog returns to its vomit, so a fool repeats. Everybody say repeats. Repeat. His foolishness. That foolishness that's bound up in, in our hearts and our lives, guess what? This is what a fool does. Keeps doing the same thing over and over, expecting different results. Do you think that licking up that yucky stuff on the floor is going to be any better the second time? <laughs> you think it's going to get you further down the road? You think it's really going to help you? You think it's going to help you grow strong, get you to where you need to be? No, that's what a fool says. So this is the wisdom step. And those things that we have been doing that have been keeping us stuck, friends, I'm not here to lecture. I'm here to bring high encouragement and high challenge. You can stop. You don't have to be stuck in those old behaviors any longer. So I'm not gonna give you a list of things to like, hey, stop all of these things. I'm gonna give you all the bullet points from Pastor's Tim Naughty list. No. Because you have to take responsibility. But I do wanna ask you a few questions that might stir your thinking of things that might be unproductive, unfruitful, that I need to stop doing. Here we go. What is a habit that I have that seems to be pulling me towards addiction? Like those things that I just don't seem to be able to say no to, even maybe the way I used to. Things that are just really unhelpful. These are some, this is something I don't want in my life, but I, I just really am having a hard time saying no to it. Maybe that's on a list that we need to offer up before the Lord. Another question. What relationships are you in that have become negative and really unfruitful? Some relationships with family, you know what? We say, God, you've called me to walk through this. There's other relationships that we have that we can actually cut the ties 
and say, that is not a relationship that is uplifting, that is helping, it's actually dragging me down. If we had longer, we could look at scripture about that, but that, guess, guess what? Fools are known by the company they keep. That, that was not just a, a little wise thought. Those truths are founded in scripture. We need to really be careful of the relationships that we're entwined with, not being unequally yoked, right? Here's a third question. Is anything adding to unhealthy stress in your life that you can chop off? Unhealthy stress. Let's give you an example of that. Especially over the last year, as more data has come out, so many people have been reflecting on the fact that social media use is like super unhealthy for them leading to chronic anxiety, depression, mood swings, lack of sleep. Just about every negative thing that you can imagine is really being shown more and more. Now that we've had social media kind of wrapped up in our culture for a number of years now, I'm telling you, this is not just about teenage girls. This is about everyone. And a lot of people are beginning to cut the ties with social media. A lot of people... Uh, you know, whether it's because of political yuck that's just being thrown out there or, or whatever. Maybe it's the comparison game that goes on that I'm always trying to feel like I have to like catch up or live up to the expectations of other people that I follow. Body image issues that people struggle with because they're just seeing these things that are just not even realistic for normal life. It ain't up and to the right behavior. You don't know the person. You don't know what they're injecting to look that way. You don't know what unhealthy behaviors, really down into the left behaviors, that they're like caught up in. I mean, there was a, maybe you saw it in your news feed this week, but there was a beautiful 16-year-old that had been in television and in a movie, committed suicide this week. I don't know her full story, but she was gorgeous. She was a beautiful young woman. And I don't know the torment that she was in, but I, I, I can promise you this, there's a lot of people during this season of life that need to stop that, con, that constant hours a day on social media. I'm, I'm not monitoring you, I'm just saying. What's gonna be up and to the right for you? What do you need to stop in order to say, I gotta get unstuck from this? Third thing is this. Third thing is this, and you can probably guess it already. Start new fruitful behaviors. Start something new that is going to help you take a step forward. Jesus did so much of this, of, of sharing with his followers. Man, that is so unhealthy. Why are you thinking that way, right? Right? No, 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 you gotta you got be last to be first. You're trying to like one-up each other and all these unhealthy mindsets. But you know what? Jesus not only helped them to remove things from their life that were unhealthy, but to help propel them into new things. Hey, I'm pairing the two of you together up. Two of you, you're gonna go off to this village. You're gonna start healing people, doing stuff in my name to set people free to prepare a way for the gospel. What, we could never do that, Jesus? Oh yes, you can. And that, that's why I'm calling this the step of bravery. There's maturity, taking responsibility for ourselves, right? 
There's wisdom. Stop going back and repeating the things that are leading us downward. But then there's this step of bravery, and I'm calling the step of bravery starting to do new things because there is always risk involved doing something new, taking new ground. I don't know what's on the other side of that door that, God, I think you may be asking me to go through. This is going to be challenging. Yes, it will be challenging because it's not only high encouragement, it's high challenge that leads us to that place of fruitfulness. So Jesus may call us to do things that are outside of today's comfort zone. I don't know what that may be for you, but again, I'm not giving you a list, but I'm asking you a few questions here to help you meditate on this and think this through. So they're on your, on your handout there. What fruitful thing, I'm sorry, number one, what has God been nudging me to do that I've been ignoring? It says tutu up there. I meant, meant to put to do. What has God been nudging me to do? Correct my typo. Thank you. Is there something that he's been nudging me toward that I have just been, mm, not that, Lord. I'll, I'll do something, but not that. Could it be that God knows you so well and has designed something for your life that what he's calling you to is going to actually be part of your breakthrough? That is going to help you get unstuck like you never thought possible just by taking that brave and obedient step to move forward in Jesus. What's he been nudging you to do? Second, what fruitful thing did I used to do that I've been neglecting? In Revelation, Jesus is speaking to churches and in one of the churches where he says, return to the former things. You've lost your first love. Return to those former things. What did I used to do? What fruitful things did I used to do? You know what? I used to read my Bible. Well, guess what, folks? Maybe one of the things that you would step into, even if you haven't yet this year, is join us on our 260 reading, right? Just to get into the word. Just to start saying, you know what? I need to break free from where I've been. I'm gonna return to those fruitful things that I've done in the past. Number three, and I love this one. This is really brave. What am I fearful to do? Because it sounds too hard. What am I fearful to do? Because it just sounds too hard. I, I could never do that, fill in the blank. I could never speak in front of a group. I could never share my testimony. I, I could never write an encouraging thought from what I'm seeing in the Bible and put it out there on Instagram because I just don't know what people would think. I, I just don't think I can do that. I, I don't know that I can take those kind of steps forward, but I don't know what it is for you. Maybe for you, it's offering forgiveness to that person that hurt you and would require amazing amounts of courage and bravery and grace. But I believe that as we Think on these things, meditate on them. I believe that God will lead us to breakthrough because that's what he does. He is the Lord who offers 
freedom. That's how we get to those place, to that place where we are no longer under the thumb of the thief who has come to steal, to kill, and to bring destruction to our lives and our stories, dragging us down and to the left. But it's where Jesus calls us to be, up and to the right. Next week, we're gonna come back and share more specifically what I believe God is not only calling us to individually, but as a church, this up and to the right place. We're gonna look at that upper right fruitful quadrant and say, okay, if I'm aiming myself there, if I know where I am, but I'm pointing myself up into the right, what do I really need to be thinking about to find myself there? But before we leave today, can we take a moment in the presence of the Lord to offer up to him whatever we need to offer up. To say, God, I, I think I'm seeing that I've been stuck in some unfruitful places because I've been immature. It's hard to name it, isn't it? We don't want to say we're immature, that we're foolish, or that we've been walking around with more cowardice than bravery. But might we even in this moment, confess to the Lord, God, I've, I've been immature. I haven't been taking responsibility. I've been blaming others. I've been blaming other things, other people. Or the Lord, that I've been foolish. I've just been returning back to that same thing over and over and over. I've been binging on the wrong stuff. Or Lord, maybe I haven't shown the courage that I needed to, the bravery to go in a new direction by starting some new things, Lord, that would be life-giving and healthy and helpful to me. So God, I want to reverse that. It's called repentance, where we turn from those things and we turn toward Jesus himself, who's waiting with open arms to receive, to love, to share his grace and his power. So Jesus, we bring ourselves before you Lord, we know that this is a journey. This is not a sprint to somehow in one moment find ourselves way up there in that upper right quadrant. But Jesus, we want to set ourselves on you. We want to set ourselves on fruitful living. So God, we open our hands before us Church, I just encourage you, just open your hands before the Lord. And whatever it is that he might challenge you with today, challenge you. Like you can do this, you can give that to me. You can offer that up to me. You can repent of immaturity, foolishness, cowardice. I'm here for you and want to receive you, but are you willing to trust that thing to me? Are you willing to give that up over to me? Just take a moment and put that in your own words. Lord, I give this to you. I give this to you. I give this to you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. And Jesus, now we just receive your love and your encouragement. 
God, I pray, Father, for myself and I pray for our church family, Lord, that we would walk in your love, we would walk in your acceptance, even when we get it wrong, that we would never doubt, Lord, your great love and mercy. Father, we are so grateful, so thankful for you. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Hey, friends, it's Mother's Day. We got wonderful things that are just waiting outside the doors. We got a gift for you. You're gonna get all the ladies on the way out. There's donuts off and to the left. There's a place to take photos with mom today. But listen, if you know that there's something that has been weighing you down, pulling you south, I would really value that you would take a moment and come with, uh, share just briefly with one of our prayer team members and find a way forward. Friends, let's continue to break free and move up into the right. Amen? Amen. Amen. You are loved. Happy Mother's Day.